I love Christmas time. I'm glad you're here today, and I'm, I'm grateful that you've joined us. And it's our prayer over the next several weeks that we can really unwrap this real present of Christmas. How many of you, uh, when you were growing up, you, um, as a kid, you unwrapped your present to see what you got before Christmas time? Anybody confess to that? Right now, did you? I was never good enough to wrap, rewrap. I would, I would have been found out easily, so I never did that. Uh, my sister-in-law did, I think. She grew up doing that. But um, you know, I remember as a kid thinking, I can't wait to see what I'm getting for Christmas. But but I'll tell you, as an adult, when I um, when we had kids, I, it was so much more fun watching our kids open presents. And I, can, I, I still get excited about it. Like, I can't wait till they open that one. And, and, and just to see their faces as they open, open presents, that's really fun as a dad. You know, you know, I think God's like that. I can imagine God's face in my own life. This week I tried to imagine the Lord on the, on, as he watched me when I got married. I, I, Robin, if you know my wife, she's really pretty, and, and I wanted to marry her way before she wanted to marry me. And so I was praying, Lord, please let her marry me. Please turn her heart to me. And, uh, and he did, and, and, and on August 13th, 1994, I stood at Northwest Baptist Church, and she walked down the aisle to be my wife. And, and I, I better bless the Lord to just experience the joy in my heart and the, probably the shock on my face that this is really happening. I bet God bless the Lord. I thought about that moment uh, about four and a half years ago, five years ago, almost five years ago, when our family was praying about coming here. And God had led us and God had spoken to us and we were, we were actually praying, Lord, we want your will to be done, but we really would love to come to Owasso. And on a Thursday night at 11 o'clock, Rob Rizzo, sitting right down here, called me. He was the chairman of the pastor search team. Called me at 11 o'clock and said, Chris, we would like for you to come to, in view of a call to be our pastor. And all, my, all three of our kids were sitting around the bed, and Robin's sitting there. And I said, you know, we'd love to come. And, and, and we hung up the phone, and all of us were jumping around the room going, yes, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord. And Maggie in the, in the second grade runs, just runs out of the room and said, got to go start packing, and just ran to the room. And I was like, wait, don't pack yet. But, um, but I bet that blessed the Lord to watch us praise him. I, I thought about last Easter. Um, uh, Sean, my friend right here, um, we prayed for him, prayed for his salvation, and he, we, he and I were playing tennis together, and, and, um, and he came to Easter, and after that service, prayed to receive Christ, and I got to baptize him, and he's going to heaven, and Jesus has changed him and has moved in him, and and we were so grateful, and I bet that blessed the Lord to watch us experience that present. You know, what we're going to do this Christmas season, and this is something I pray that, that we as a body, as a church, that we can really unwrap the present of Jesus. You know, we live in a world that doesn't understand who Jesus is. Many people equate Jesus to be like, oh, you're, you're like Muhammad or like, like Gandhi or like these other prophets that, that lived in the world. But Jesus was not like them. 
So some people don't understand the real present, the real gift of Jesus. And it's our prayer that, that as a church body, as a church family, we can embrace this Christmas season truly understanding the significance of this gift that was given to us. Now, um, Christmas is a moment in time, a moment in history when God came into the world in the flesh. God came as a man. And so there's no better place to start than Luke chapter 1. So would you stand with me and let's read together Luke chapter 1 and starting in verse 26. And this is uh, an incredible moment in the life of Mary and in the life of Jesus and, and, um, and in the life of, uh, for our lives. This is an incredible moment. Verse 26 says this, Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated now. Now, this is important for us to unwrap. So let's unwrap this for a minute. Stay here in your Bibles. And, and um, you can see in, in verse 27, uh, it makes reference to the fact that Mary was betrothed. She was engaged. You've got to understand first century culture that when, when you were engaged in first century culture, you, were, um, you had not yet gone through the wedding ceremony and not yet uh, consummated the marriage. You've not yet had sex yet. But, but at the same time, you, it was a binding contract. It was you were considered to be married. And, and, and the only way that you could um, dissolve a betrothal is divorce. And that was just the culture of first century. Now, verse 28, this angel Gabriel, which was a significant moment, a shocking moment for Mary and, and uh, uh, kind of a crazy moment. Verse 28 says, he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, we got to be careful that we don't um, misunderstand Mary. Mary was a sinner like us. Uh, Mary, some people, some uh, churches 
uh, elevate Mary to this godlike status, but that's not who Mary was. Mary was a, a, a human being, a normal person. She failed. She had sin in her life. Now, she was a recipient of God's grace, and she was a godly woman. She was a favored one. She was a woman of faith, a woman that believed in the prophecies that we just sang that song, Come Expected Jesus. She was expecting the Messiah to come. And uh, verse 29, um, of course, you would be too. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And, and the angel could see that. She, she was like, I don't get it. I don't understand why the, this is not a human. What is this about? The angel um, said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. God had chosen her. God said, look, your life is you honor me. I've chosen you. I've given you grace. And then he said something really remarkable. Look at verse 31. He says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Now let's, let's hang there for a minute. She would bear a son. And, and this boy that she would have would grow up to be a man. And the angel said, you will call his name Jesus. Verse 30, 30, 32. And he will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. Now, now Mary knew the prophecy. She was Jewish. She understood the Old Testament. She was taught these things from, a, from her whole life. And, and this was a striking term to her, the Son of the Most High. It was a reference to the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come, and, it, and it's going to be your son. And she's going, wow. She's trying to wrap her head around this, trying to, trying to understand the significance of this moment. And and. And, and he says in verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, this Christmas season, here's what I want us to do. I want us to unpack the present of Jesus. And so we're going to dive into some very important doctrine. Now, now, that's a word that's interesting in our culture today because you have churches that are moving away from doctrine. And when that word is mentioned, some people go, oh, man, I'm, not, I'm, I'm out. I don't even know what that word means, or that's not important, or you're just going to be talking about lofty ideas that I can't understand, and all that's not true. Doctrine is very important. What you believe matters a great deal. Now, now there's another word I'm going to use, theology. Now, now, some people, when you hear the word theology, go, oh, that's for just you, like, people that go to school and go to seminary and stuff. But, but, you know, the truth is every one of us are theologians. You're a theologian. The, the question is, are you a good theologian or a bad theologian, okay? Because you're, every one of us have a theology. Theology means the study of God. And, and all of us have thoughts about God and, and, and beliefs about God. The question is, are they accurate beliefs about God? Are they biblically accurate beliefs? And we are a church that really believes the Bible and needs to understand the Bible. And, and in light of all the misinformation about Christ, it's important for us as a church body to dive into the doctrine of the person of Christ. Who is this Jesus, this man that was born, this son that was born? Now look at verse 31 through 34. I want you to look at this. Mary tells, the angel tells Mary she will give birth to a son 
verse 34, she says, I'm a virgin. How can this be? The angel, uh, she I don't understand. I don't understand. How can I have a son? I mean, Joseph and I hadn't had, we've not had sex yet. I don't understand. I know how biology works, angel. What, what is the deal? How is this going to happen? Look what he says, verse 34. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So, so this is different. Jesus' father was not an earthly father. Jesus' father, the Holy Spirit, did something miraculous. Outside of human history, outside of human explanation, it was a true miracle. Jesus was conceived in a miraculous way. So it's wrong for us to put Jesus in the same boat as some other prophet or some other man, some other religious teacher. Because Jesus was different. Because right there, this is where we see that difference. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and look, the child will be called holy, the Son of God. Now, all of us have seen our, our kids' baby pictures, or you've seen baby pictures. We, we, when we have baby dedication, we put these baby pictures up, and everybody's like, oh, so cute. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's so cute. And though every baby's cute, this is the only child who has ever been born who was called holy. And I don't want you to miss that. Because no other person prior to the birth of Jesus was, who was ever born was called holy. No other person that was ever born after the birth of Jesus is holy. Now, now we don't understand holiness. It's hard for us to grasp this because, because we are so used to sin. But God is holy. God is, God is perfect. And we don't get that right now. And when we die and go to heaven and we see Jesus for the first time in his glorified state, we'll go, oh my goodness, you're holy and you came to earth. See, the virgin birth is important because the virgin birth tells us something very important about life. It says, it shows that salvation comes from God, not from man. This was a work of God. Salvation is a work of God that mankind needed. The virgin birth makes it possible, and I want you to see this. The virgin birth makes it possible for the first time in history, you have a human being that has full deity. That means he's fully God. And at the same time, he's fully man. So you have the first time in history the uniting of deity and humanity in one person. It's a big deal. The, the virgin birth also, it, it, it makes it possible for the, for the inherited sin, the line of inherited sin to be broken. You see, every one of us, when we were born, we were born with this inheritance of sin. 1 Corinthians talks about this, about, about we were born unto Adam. Like Adam sinned and we followed his footprint, his, his path. We inherited that. Because the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and the Holy Spirit instigated this pregnancy, the inherited sin was no longer, it was broken. Jesus was the only one who's ever been born that broke that line of inherited sin because Adam wasn't his father. And therefore, the angel was right in saying to Mary, this baby will be holy. Now, 
pull your notes out, and I want you to think with me here, okay? Um, because the doctrine that we need to understand, and I want us to grab a hold of as we unwrap the present of Jesus, is this. And I want you to fill these blanks in with me. When Jesus came into the world, Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man in one person and will be so forever. Now, I want you to think about that. Jesus, when he was born, this was the, the first time in, the, in, in all of the world, the only time in all the world, when one human being could be fully man and fully God at the same time. And he'll be that way forever. Now, what you believe about Jesus matters. What you believe about this doctrine matters. And it's important that we understand this. Now, to unpack this, to unwrap this, first of all, I want us to see point number one is that Jesus came to be with us. And, and we, we see this all the time, that, that, that Christ, we sang this today, that he's with us. And this is important to understand because uh, Jesus had a human body. He grew up, Luke 2.52 talks about that, that as Jesus grew up, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So we see this boy Jesus, the first account we have is when he was 12 years old. Uh, he was in the temple and people were hearing him teach going, who is this kid? Oh my goodness. Well, the Bible tells us that the boy Jesus grew up in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. He, he had a human body. He had to grow up. He had to become wise. That's hard to grab a hold of. That, that little boy Jesus was walking around, God with skin on, but had to grow up. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. Uh, you know, we know about Jesus. Last week, we looked at John chapter 4, and, and we saw Jesus at, as he encountered the woman at the well. He was tired. We've been tired. We can relate to that. He was thirsty. He said to the lady, I need something to drink. We see all through his life the physical needs of Jesus. He wept, John 11, that, that he was sad. He was angry. He, he turned over the table. He got angry. He didn't, but, but the thing is, he never sinned. And that's important to recognize about Jesus. He didn't have that inherited sin. But it's important that we see that Jesus came to be with us. He was a human body. And because, first of all, because Jesus was a man, he showed us how to obey the Lord. And I want you to see that. Jesus as a man gives us this picture, this model of how we can obey God. And, and we need to learn to obey the Lord. Obeying Christ matters. And it's like what 1 John 2, 6 says this, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. That, that you and I are called to obey the Lord. And Jesus' humanity, the, the, the humanity of Christ, sets the example for you and I of how we obey the Lord that you're to run a race. Jesus ran his race and said, God, I'm going to please you. I'm here to do the will of my Father. And he set that example for us, that you and I are called to do the will of the Father because we saw it in the man Jesus. And so this is why we have, we are, we've got to be a, a people that are focused, like, like what we did with the Lord's Supper, refocus. We refocus our life. That we daily say, Lord, we're, we're here. We're, 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 we're listening to you. We want to obey your voice. 
and you'll hear me say all the time, we've got to be a people that, that when God tells us to move, we move. We follow the voice of the Lord, both individually and as a church. And Jesus taught us how to obey the Lord. Jesus as a man showed us what it looks like to obey the Lord. Jesus as a man also, he's with us. He, he shows us how to overcome temptation. And we see this in his life. And, and we saw when in John 4, Luke 4, when he was tempted by Satan himself. And, and what did Jesus do as he battled temptation? He used scripture. He used the Bible and, and, and God uses his word. And, and we're to follow that example that when we battle temptation, that, that we can use scripture like Jesus used scripture. And it's important to recognize that Jesus was tempted like you and I are tempted. And, and we, we, we can overcome temptation. And even if, you have, if you're struggling with a temptation, you're failing or you're, you've got an issue that you're wrestling with, I want you to know Jesus gives you power over temptation, and we see it through the humanity of Christ. So I don't want you to miss this. Like, like Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in, this, in service to God, and look, to make propitiation for the sins. Now, we know what that word means. Propitiation is this sacrifice-like action that removes the barrier that blocks fellowship with God and people. And, and it says right there, he made propitiation. He removed that barrier for the sins of the people. For he himself has suffered when tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted. And I want you to recognize that the humanity of Jesus shows you and me how we can overcome temptation. And folks, we've got to learn to overcome temptation. Satan comes against us. Satan wants us to buy into the lie that, that, that Jesus is just like every other prophet. Oh, we can't offend anybody. Let's just blend in with the world. No, we're different than the world. No, Christ is, is called, the, he's the only way to heaven. And this is important that we see. Jesus has come, he came to be with us. Second thing, Jesus came to be one of us. And I don't want you to miss that either. Jesus as a man came here to be one of us. He, he, he taught us, when you look at the humanity of Jesus, Jesus as a man taught us how to overcome difficult times. And, and, and we see this. I mean, we look at the difficulties that Jesus overcame in his humanity, the, the persecution that he faced, the, the, the betrayal that he faced. And that you and I are going to face difficult circumstances. We're going we're gonna to face difficulties in life. I mean, I think about um, one of our brothers here, uh, Barry Autry, and he called me yesterday or Friday. And um, Barry was... Um, we prayed for him. He's been battling cancer several years ago. Uh, the doctor said, you got six months to live. And, and I've watched Barry as, as we've, he's wrestled through this difficult battle with cancer. I mean, it's been devastating to his body, and it's been, a, it's been difficult for his family. But he's leaned into the Lord. He's trusted the Lord. He said, God, I'll run the race that you mark out for me. And you know what he called me Friday. I said, Chris, I just went to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and they did a scan, and they can't find any more cancer. You know, God helped him. And see, this is what God does, is, is the humanity of Jesus shows us how we can overcome the difficult circumstances we face. So if you're going through a difficult time right now, 
This is why the, the, to unwrap the present of Jesus, to see the significance of the man Jesus, he helps us through those, through those difficulties. John 16, Jesus said, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome, I've overcome the world. He will help you. And Jesus as a man shows us how to overcome difficult times. Jesus came to be one of us. Jesus as a man also, and this is important, don't miss this. The humanity of Jesus shows us what happens when we die. Jesus as a man shows you and I what happens when we draw our last breath. Do you know that when you draw your last breath, it's not over? But, but the humanity of Jesus shows us that death has been defeated because Jesus rose from the dead. Now, I love the story in John 20 of, of the disciples, are, are, they, had, they had seen him. I mean, they went to his funeral, they saw him crucified, and they were crushed, and they, were, they couldn't believe it, and then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to them. I mean, that got their attention, and they were like, man, he, we, he's alive, he, and Peter had been forgiven, and Jesus had already interacted with him, and they come across Thomas in John chapter 20. And they said to Thomas, and I like Thomas because Thomas doubts sometimes, and, and, and probably we can all relate to Thomas because we've doubted a lot. And, um, and I love John 20 because it says this, so the other disciples told him in verse 25, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see it in, see in, his, in his hands the marks of the nails, and I place my finger into the marks of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas is like, you guys are nuts. I'm, I don't believe you. I'm going to have to touch them. Eight days later, Thomas is with his disciples. With the disciples, they're in a locked room. Says verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands and put, your, put out your hand and place it into my side. And then he says to Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. And we know what happened to Thomas. He's like, Lord. And you know, we see right here the humanity of Jesus shows you and I what's going to happen when we draw our last breath. This is why I pray that we don't fear that day. But, but, but so often, we live in a world that is desperately afraid of dying, desperately afraid of that reality of death. And I want you to know something. The humanity of Jesus shows us what's going to happen to you and I when we draw our last breath. It's not the end. Jesus came to be one of us. And the, this is why the humanity of Jesus is so important. So if 2017 is the day that you get that phone call that, hey, it's, you have cancer or something has happened and it's mortal, I want you to understand our death will not be the end. Jesus, the humanity of Jesus shows us that. Jesus came to be one of us. Last thing, third thing. I want you to see that Jesus came for us. And this is the miracle of the birth of Christ. This is why I want us to unwrap this present and see that Jesus came for us. 
And I want you to see this because, you know, we live in, like last night, I was stringing two tennis rackets, and, and I, was, I, was, I just flipped on my computer just so I could listen to it, the CNN uh, live stream or whatever, and it was that show last night of uh, some spiritual leader, some guy, I can't remember his name, but uh, he grew up in Tulsa. His dad was a pastor in Tulsa. And he went on, he was in the sweat lodge thing, and these people died, and, and he was promising all these spiritual help. And, and he kept saying all the time as they were interviewing him, as he, they would show clips of his little talks, and he would say, you have what you need inside of you. You be the best you. You be strong in yourself. And you know what? That doesn't work. You know, that, that's the best. Years ago, we did, I did this thing in uh, Putnam City North High School and Oprah, uh, I, we, I was just asked to go serve at it as a, as a youth pastor and Oprah did this thing called Challenge Day and it was all over the nation and we went into PC North and it was awful. It was just terrible because it was this Challenge Day where kids were, were trying to be, they, they were trying to teach these kids that you have all you need inside of you. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there looking like, no, we are messed up by ourselves. But the prevailing thought in our world is you can self-help yourself. But you can't. We, we need a Savior. And I'll never forget this little girl. She's about a junior in high school. There's 300 kids there. And, and she stands up and says, I'm mad at my dad. And this girl, was, she was like quoting Gandhi and all this stuff and this leader of it. And, and she was... Um, she said to this girl, just say something nice about your dad. Just think positively. Think good thoughts about him. And she goes, okay, well, he bought our family a boat. Um, but he left my mom for another woman. And he's uh, just like, I don't really want a boat. And I just felt so empty. Because all they had to offer was think good thoughts. You know, the truth is, we need a Savior. And I want you to see this, that Jesus as a man, Jesus came for us. Jesus as a man was the perfect mediator. Do you know what a mediator is? It's someone that goes and speaks for you. It's, it's one that, that says, I'm going to take care of this for you. I'm going to mediate. Now, here's the problem, that, that you and I were, were alienated from God because of sin. We were sinners. We were born this way. And see, the humanity of Jesus, this moment where the Holy Spirit conceived and there was no inherited sin, Jesus was the perfect mediator because he could represent us to God and represent God to us. It's like what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. Look at this. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Jesus, Christ Jesus, look at this, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And I want you to see Jesus as the man was the perfect mediator between you and God. And so let's unwrap that present this Christmas. Let's not miss the fact that Jesus the man was a perfect mediator. Last thing. Jesus came for us. Jesus as a man was the perfect sacrifice. 
like we've seen, that, that if Jesus wouldn't have been a man, he could not have died in our place. But, but he was the propitiation for us, meaning that, that he, he was the sacrifice that removed the barrier between you and God. So in a world, in, as we continue to hear these messages coming at us that, hey, you know what Jesus was like? He was a good teacher. He was a good man. He was like every other. He was like Muhammad. He was like um, Gandhi. He was like Confucius. He was like Buddha. He's just like those guys. No, he wasn't. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was different than anyone else. Romans 5, 18 through 19. I want you to think about this. Listen to this. Paul writes, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. And, and he's referring to Adam. Adam was the one. He sinned way back in Genesis. He, he failed and he, and he, and he didn't, didn't obey the Lord and sin entered the world. But look at this, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And that, that one act of righteousness, that, that one act of obedience of Christ coming to the world in a miraculous way, living a sinless life, and then going to the cross and taking your place and my place, and it gave us that moment of justification, that moment where I was made just like I never sinned. And he does that, does that for all men. Look at this, verse 19. For as one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And so I don't want us to misunderstand the significance of the, of the humanity of Christ. Jesus was born a son who grew up to be a man who lived in the flesh like you and I lived. And that's why he was the perfect sacrifice. And this is why I want to say to you today, do you believe him? Do you see him for who he really is? And, and do you see him as, as the God who entered human history? Let's not get sucked into that cultural struggle that we see of, of oh yeah, you Christians, you're just like everybody else. You just, believe, you just have a religious belief. No, we have a belief in, a, in the Savior. And this is why we'd sing, go tell it on the mountain. This is why we can't keep this to ourselves. And, and, we, and we sing that song, Come Expected Jesus. I expect God to speak in this place. We expect God to move in our lives. We expect the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and to, and to sustain us and to provide for us and to walk with us. You can know him. Oh, do you know him today? Do you know him today? Do you see him today? Let's, don't miss our Christmas messages on Sunday. We're going to unwrap this. But it begins with you knowing him. 
I, we're going to have an invitation, and, and I love them. I love, I, I, I love how God teaches us to move. And so at the end of every time, every time we preach the word, we invite people to respond, not to me. Look, you're not responding to me. It's the Holy Spirit that is moving in this place. We're just people gathering together, listening to God's voice. Lord, lead us. Speak to us. Do you need a church home? You, you do need one. Is this where you're supposed to be? Let's serve together. Maybe you need to be forgiven. You need Christ as your Savior. Come to him. You'll never regret it. Don't miss who Jesus is. Perfect mediator, the perfect sacrifice for your sin, for my sin. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus.